I'll feel sorry for myself. I'll be, we'll be getting hammered by COVID. You know, like we were 21 days in quarantine, five kids in a 2,000 square foot house. You, you, you can wake up on some mornings and not feel the love of God. And then you got to look at him in his eyes and go, I don't think you love me. And you're like, oh man. You're like, COVID, you're a joke. My God loves me. He made covenant with me. He's going to see me through. He's going to sustain me. There's something good in this. And all of a sudden, my perspective changes and I'm like and then my wife's like we're doing these awesome quarantine activities and we have this heavenly atmosphere in our home because we're recovering and it's like amazing why because he died for us and we know he loves us in spite of what happens So the love of Christ controls us. It dominates us because we've concluded that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live, that's you and me today, 2021 in Baton Rouge, those of us who are alive, we're no longer living for ourselves, but for you, Jesus, who for my sake died and was raised. This is the proclamation of the church. I'm not living for me. We, we, we have to come and be honest. Are you living for you? Let me tell you something. The areas you're offended, the areas you're hurt, the areas you're bitter is where you are living for you. Well, he just doesn't respect me. Well, they just don't, man, they didn't treat me right. <laughs> okay, you're going to die on that hill? In your marriage, this plays out in your marriage. You have no idea. It plays out every day, every month. Every year, I remember my wife and I, we got in this radical fight, and, and she was wrong, and I was right. I mean, 100%, she was in the wrong. Like, we were on this road trip, and I was, like, trying to help and whatever, and then she just kind of came at me, you know. Y'all know how it is. And I, I can laugh about it now, but in the moment, if you've ever been there, like, there was a deep offense and hurt, and I'm like, I felt completely in the right and felt like she was completely in the wrong. Like, and it hurt. She said hurtful things. She did hurtful things. And I'm like, that's hurtful to me. I was in extreme pain. And I went to my room, and I was like, and no, and I had, I actually had stormed out of my house, and I like slammed the door, and I like ripped my shirt. Like, I was like having it out with God. And I'm like, God, I'm like, tell me what to do. I'm like, tell me what to do. I'll do anything. Just speak to me. Like, you need to rebuke her, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I'll do anything but just rebuke her and let her know her, her, the error of her ways, you know? And, um, and I remember I, I, went, I went inside, and I was like, I sat on my bed, and I'm like, okay, I don't want, I don't want the sun to go down on my anger, you know? Like, God, what a verse, you know? I'm like, just like hems you in to like the day, like, ah, I got to deal with this now, you know? So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I present my case to God, and I'm like, God, I'm like, she did this. He's like, uh-huh. And, he, and I said, and she said this, and like, uh-huh. And, and he said, listen, the father spoke to me, and he's my witness. He's here, and he says, you're right. And I was like, yes. Like vindicated, you know. <laughs> like, you're right. Got him. We're, I'm like, all right, what do you, like, you want to do now? I'm like, we release a judgment. Like, what? Let's, <laughs> the case is settled. Like, let's go. And he says, you're right. And then, and then he like a ninja. He goes, do you want to be right or do you want to be like me? And I was like, I, like, y'all, God knows. 
he appealed he appealed to Christ within and i was like all of a sudden i was confined to the righteousness of god you've got to understand this when the bible says we're slaves to righteousness see you and i know what it means to be a slave of sin have you guys ever remember when you did stuff that you didn't want to do but the Bible uses a human term. He talks to us like slaves so that you can understand the power of righteousness. There is a place in the new covenant where righteousness is so strong that when you want to do something bad, righteousness, Christ, is your taskmaster. You go to extend to do something stupid, and he's like, uh-uh-uh-uh. And you're like, I can't do the stupid thing. Why? Because I have a taskmaster now whose name's Jesus, the righteousness of God, the DNA that he's put inside of me that won't let me walk in sin anymore. Because sin would have been like, man, I'm going to respond in judgment. I'm going to respond by withholding my affection. I'm like, okay, not like, yeah, like I'm going to, I'm going to wait until she says, sorry. <laughs> and then I'll maybe consider like, I'm going to make sure that she understands fully her, the error of her ways before I, before I open my heart back up in and give her affection and love. And God's like, do you want to do that or do you want to be like me? And I'm like, I want to be like you. And my flesh is like, ah. And so I'm like, okay. And he goes, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to treat her as if it never happened. Go bestow kindness and go apologize for walking out of the house. And in my mind, walking out of the house was the best thing I could have done because I didn't say or do something stupid. And so I'm having to repent. Oh, my flesh was like, no, but my spirit man was like, yes. And as soon as I settled that in my heart, I set my heart and she was like feeling ashamed and guilty that she, and she like had known and God had like convicted her. And I was like, yes, you know. But I had already settled in my heart that I was going to love her. And I was like, I looked at her and I said, hey, it never happened. I love you. Let's keep moving forward. And it like took her a while to like believe that and like, but like that's, that's what I'm talking about is that in covenant, like that's y'all with God, with the gospel, how am I going to withhold sins when I'm mindful of him dying on the cross saying, father, forgive him. They don't have a clue what they're doing. Are you guys with me? This is so like, this will change everything for us. So this, it gets worse. And then, and then we'll think about closing here. It does, it gets worse. Verse 16, from now on, say from now on. Now sing that Hugh Jackman song in The Greatest Showman. From now on. From now on, because of this conclusion, therefore we regard no one, say no one, according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Verse 17, I know y'all love this verse and it's on your coffee mugs. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, this scripture is used a lot to talk about me. I'm a new creation in Christ, brother. Right? We love that. I preach that all the time. Like, you're a brand new creation. Biblically, contextually, he's not talking about you. He's talking about your neighbor. He says, we regard no one according to the flesh, meaning our perspective. I'm giving you a perspective how to see your neighbor as a new creation. 
that, that now when you see them, I don't want you to stumble over what they do in the flesh. I need you to see them as a new person in Christ. And as their brother, I want you to hold them to that, treat them that way, and don't stumble when they, when they get in their flesh and act outside of what I've created them to be. Are you guys with me? Does this hurt yet? Because your flesh, if your flesh isn't frustrated, you're not hearing me right. Your flesh hates this. Because your flesh has to surrender what it's been doing ever since the fall of man. And that's judge. And no, that's good. That's evil. And what, and what here we're saying is, no, you know what, God? I'm going to allow you to blind me to what I think is good and evil. And I'm going to only receive heaven's perspective on this person. If you're married in this place, I want to encourage you. Love, in one sense, it's a lot easier to love the homeless guy on the street. You know why? Because he's never sinned against me. There's no ledger. A man's never done anything against me. I can come with him with a blank slate with eyes of love going, man, God loves you so much. Oh, he wants to touch your heart. And then you look at your spouse and many of us or your friend or your brother or your sister, or your mom or your dad, and you've got a history with them and you've got a ledger of wrongs done, of things they've done in the flesh that have tainted your eyes and you see them according to what they've done, not according to the newness that they are in Christ. And here's what I want to tell you, is we can spend till eternity trying to govern people's flesh and never find freedom. Well, you need to really deal with this flesh. No, no, no. The cross dealt with your flesh. And the way we're going to deal with your flesh is I'm going to show you that it was nailed to a cross, buried 2,000 years ago, and you've been resurrected to newness of life. And you need, you need to repent and believe that and walk in the born-again nature that you have in Christ. And like you're like, well, that seems really intense. No, speaking the truth in love. We build one another up so that the whole body working properly builds itself up in love. This is what it means to have the unity of the faith. Are you guys with me? But I, I, I do want to share this because I, I believe... I believe this is, this is a way that we can grow up and actually begin to, you know, I, I've heard your heart a, a fair amount. I've heard this glimpses of you guys' heart for unity in the church, that there would be this, this breaking down of walls. And I really feel like the ministry of reconciliation um, is, is important in this hour. And I think it's between races, denominations, and between God and man. And, and one of the ways that we're going to function and see this ministry at work is when we understand the authority that we have as born-again believers to actually forgive sins. And I want to unpack that thought, okay? And because this ties back to our understanding of the gospel, all right? And I'm going to say some things maybe that initially may make you uncomfortable, but I'm going to show you biblically kind of cursory that it's, it's okay, and you can search these things out. Or you can stone me, whatever you feel comfortable. Forgiveness of sins was instituted by God with Israel with the shedding of blood with animals. You guys with me? So he instituted a system, and people could have their sins forgiven through the shedding of blood of an animal, a bull or a goat. So what would happen is someone would sin, they would bring the sacrifice, and according to God's law, if I did something stupid... I could have provision for that under God's law, which when you think about it was amazing 
because they had they they could leave with a clean conscience in the moment that they've satisfied the righteous requirement of the law and that the stupid thing they did was covered and they could now take a deep breath and go okay, we fulfilled the law, we did what God said, and now we're forgiven. But the Bible says that old covenant system, the forgiveness of sins, it, it required death, it required blood, but there was a reminder every year on the Day of Atonement that people were sinners because that blood could never remove the sins of the people. It could just cover over what they did. It could never fix the sinner inside. It just fixed the sins that the sinner did. You guys with me? So you got to see this forgiveness of sins was this external forgiving of the acts, but it never actually touched the sinner, the DNA, the, the prone to wander thing. Are you with me? So all of a sudden you have John the Baptist break onto the scene and, and, and Jesus says something remarkable about this man. He says, of those born of a woman, interesting, yeah, we're all born of a woman. Those born of a woman, there's no one greater than John. This is Jesus Christ's assessment of John the Baptist. Did he do any miracles? No signs, no wonders. He preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And what did he do? He dunked Israel in the river, and they were receiving forgiveness of sins in preparatory for the Messiah to come. So why do you think John was the greatest man born of a woman? I believe it was because he offered forgiveness of sins without blood. People were, it was a preparatory work for the Messiah. He was preaching, you need to repent and be forgiven of your sins. And so John would baptize them, and were they forgiven? Not in the same way Christ forgave them, right? So there's a distinction that we're, we're building to. I feel some of you are like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's okay. Just stay with me. So, so forgiveness existed with the blood of animals, and all of a sudden John bursts onto the scene, and Jesus is like, man, that guy, there's no one born of a woman that's greater than him. And he's, he's forgiving people with water, which was for the Jew was like, there's no blood. This is incredible. There's this revival of repentance, and there's just water. Amazing. Then Jesus walks onto the scene in flesh, and the paralytic comes, and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. What did you just say? Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees are like, No. They're like, You can't. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Was there any water there? Was there any blood there? Was the paralytic sins forgiven? How? By what means? Say it out loud. Spirit. The man of the Spirit said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And by the Spirit, were his sins forgiven? Yes or no? So, so Jesus, just stay with me, because this is about to ruin your day in the best way. Jesus says, among those born of a woman, the greatest man ever born was John the Baptist. But he who is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. How? On, on, what, on what grounds is the least in the kingdom greater than John? 
in his, in his national impact? No, because John like, inspired a whole nation. On what grounds was, was, is, the, is the least baby Christian in the kingdom greater than John? He can forgive sins by the Spirit. I forgive you. I don't count those trespasses against you. Oh, come on. Let me show you. Let me show you because y'all are looking at me so funny. John, John 20. Look at this. Just stay with me. It, it's, this is amazing. This is, this, will, this is it. This is why I came. John, John 20, 21, 20. Where is it? Yeah, it's 20. Oh, praise God. John 20. Jesus is resurrected. Verse 19, um, the doors are locked, and Jesus walks in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And when he said this, verse 20, he showed him his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Watch this. As the Father has sent me, so even so I am sending you, and he's going to expand on this clause. Watch this. I know I'm hitting you with a fire hose. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So just picture this. Walks through a wall. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And then he just puts a tic-tac in, hopefully, and goes, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, did the disciples receive the Holy Spirit when he said that? hundred percent when jesus says something it's not like receive the holy spirit and then nothing happens so he breathes and i believe this is their born again experience jesus is resurrected the blood has been shed and they get sealed with the holy spirit and he says this to them after breathing the holy spirit on them i think this is so important the first thing he says to them after breathing upon them he says this if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What was he doing? By the Spirit, he was conveying the priestly authority as sons of God in the earth to release forgiveness or to withhold forgiveness. And you cannot leave that part out. If you do not release forgiveness, fundamentally, you are withholding forgiveness. What does that mean? Does that mean we can make people born again? No. No more than John the Baptist was baptizing people as what? A preparatory work for them to see the Messiah so that they could come and get born again. The distinction between forgiveness of sins and being born again is that the forgiveness of sins takes the deception away. You're not blinded by your sin. You can actually see Christ. And when you see Christ, you can get born again and your sinfulness can be removed. This is the distinction between the old and the new covenant. The blood of Christ removes your sinfulness. But as believers, we have the power and the authority and the ministry that we've all received is this. I forgive you. I forgive you. Hey, you mean I can walk up to someone on the streets that's living in sin and I can say, I forgive you and something will happen if they receive it? Yes. Are they born again? No. What are you doing? You're letting them know that the things that they've done are forgiven on what grounds? On the authority of Jesus's blood that's already been shed and the power of the Holy Spirit that you've received. 
So there's this weird thing in the church where we feel like we need to hold people accountable to their sins instead of releasing forgiveness of sins and actually allowing them to enter into the power of the gospel so they can experience the righteousness of Christ so that they stop sinning. Because the only way a sinner is going to, a, a, a born again believer who's walking in sin is going to stop sinning is when they finally believe that they can walk in the righteousness of Christ. When they begin to identify, and you know what? Like, I'll tell you this from this stage this has been a 13, 15 year journey of my mind being renewed that I'm no longer a sinner. Sin is an alien thought and behavior to me. If I sin and stumble, which I'm not looking for it, but if it happens, and again, I say if, not when, I'm. I'm shocked. I don't say, well, yeah, I did that again. It, it's like, whoa, what was that? I, if, if I sin against my wife, against someone else, I, I'm like, what just happened? That is weird. I'm not thinking about sin at any point of my life. And Paul says this of himself. He goes, guys, it's a small thing if you judge me or if I'm judged by any human court. He goes, I don't even judge myself. Meaning, I'm, I stopped functioning on the knowledge of good and evil with myself a long time ago. All I see is Christ. And if he looks at me and says, hey, son, you're a miss here, I'm like, well, I repent. Lord, I don't want to walk in that. And I keep moving, walking in righteousness. Are you guys with me? This is the free way to live in Christ. You do not have to be your brother's keeper in that regard. Does this mean that we're just like completely like, oh, we don't care about sin? We, no, absolutely not means that we walk in love we treat each other according to the spirit not according to the flesh and we release forgiveness this is the authority we have this is the power we have and i believe this is the most profound ministry that we can walk in in this hour we can model it to the world like i'm telling you we're, we're living in this justice age and forgiveness is the divine justice of god and listen when people try to tell you that that's greasy grace and we need to hold people, listen, Jesus Christ died on a cross. He shed his blood. So when you say, I forgive you, you're not, it's not some flippant thing. It's by the authority of that man. It's like he paid a price for it. Like it's not just like, well, I'm just going to not treat it. No, he paid for that. He paid for it. I'm not going to hold you. I, I'm going to tell you, I forgive you. Not counting men's trespasses against them. This is the ministry of reconciliation. That doesn't count against your record. Come to Christ. Repent. Just receive his life. Come, let me walk with you. Let me help you. If you're struggling with sin, if you're living in this thing, let me help you walk out of that. But listen, I'm going to forgive you. Stop living in guilt and shame and condemnation. There is a freedom for you to be free in God in your relationships, and to actually love one another from a pure heart. And so I want to I pray for us. I, I believe that this ministry of reconciliation is really important, and it's one that we've all received. And I want to activate it in you. Um, it's really, um, I think it plays out in, in, in family a lot. I think it's one of the, the primary places with, with moms and dads and brothers and sisters and in church family that if we, can, if we can get this into the fabric of the DNA, I believe the devil's going to have a really hard time getting a foothold. Because if you've got mature, grown men and women of God just forgiving one another, just 
radically again, not because we're so anointed, but because we see and are so valuing and magnifying the work of Christ. I, I, we, you, you can only do this when your perspective is on Christ. Your biggest challenge is this. We, are, we have been trained from the fall of man to live according to the flesh. 90% of our lives, we make assessments and judgments according to the flesh. And we stumble over the flesh. And the beauty and the power of the gospel is that we can be free from that place. Because, y'all, it's discouraging when you look at the flesh and the flesh of the world. Even when you look at the world. I'm telling you, I get intoxicated with joy in God. Like, I am, I've never been more excited to be alive than right now. People, keep, Christians keep coming to me. They're like, can you believe what the world is doing? I'm serious. Maybe some of you have done this. And you're like amazed at the wickedness in the world. Well, can you believe what this administration or these people are saying? And I'm like, you're amazed that sin is sin? That's amazing to you at that darkness? I'm amazed at Christ. I'm amazed at the gospel. I'm amazed at the light of God. I'm amazed at the power of God. I'm amazed that we have the gospel and that we have something that's actually a remedy for all the darkness and all the plight that we see. And I, I want to provoke you. Get the gospel in your heart so much that when you open it, no matter what you say in any environment, the gospel comes out. That's my, that's my challenge to you. That's my exhortation to you is like get it in your heart. And you say, Peter, how do I do that? Watch what you look at and watch what you listen to. This is the practical exhortation. Faith comes two ways. Looking to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's the number one way faith comes. And number two, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And so faith biblically comes in two ways. What you look at and what you listen to. So if you want a strong biblical foundation of faith, you look at Christ and you listen to the word of Christ. You want to grow weak in your faith? Listen to the world and look at the world. I'm telling you, I, I, I understand this is a tool, and I understand you can influence people, and I understand you can access knowledge, but listen, if your eyes spend 90% of your time looking at this and listening to this, your faith will fundamentally be compromised because this is the way I look at Christ, is I study who he is, what he did, why he did it. I look at it, I listen to it, and I allow it to shape the way I look at the world. And so there's, there's things at stake. Like you, you can't spend five hours a day on this and then wonder why your flesh is like acting out and wonder why you're offended all the time. It just doesn't work that way. But when you stare at Christ, when you stare at him dying on a cross and you wake up like on a morning and it's like a Monday morning and you're like, God, I don't feel like you love me. And then all of a sudden you like look at him dying on a cross. I, I, I challenge you, the next time you feel like God doesn't love you, because life is hard, in your mind's eye, go to the cross and watch him bleeding and dying, bleeding out, heavily breathing, and allow the cross, that moment, to become real, and look at him in his eye and tell him, I don't think you love me. Try it. <laughs> you can't, because I've tried it. I'll feel sorry for myself. I'll be, we'll be getting hammered by COVID. You know, like we were 21 days in quarantine, five kids in a 2,000-square-foot house, you, you, you can wake up on some mornings and not feel the love of God. And then you got to look at him in his eyes and go, I don't think you love me. And you're like, oh, man. And you're like, COVID, you're a joke. 
my God loves me. He made covenant with me. He's going to see me through. He's going to sustain me. There's something good in this. And all of a sudden, my, the perspective changes. And I'm like, and then my wife's like doing these awesome quarantine activities. And we have this heavenly atmosphere in our home because we're recovering. And it's like amazing. Why? Because he died for us. And we know he loves us in spite of what happens. That's what I'm talking about. And I want us to come to a place where we're doing this with one another. The Bible says, I want you to exhort every one of you, so long as it's called today, that you do not forget this stuff that I'm telling you. Can I tell you how, how prone we are to forget this stuff? Not wonder, but forget. We forget the good news. And I believe the gospel is so paramount in this hour that we need daily. Listen, this is not something you go do on an island by yourself. Yes, you do in secret. Yes, you commune with God in secret. But the only way we're going to see the fullness of this thing is if I view Sam and Bree as my own and I take responsibility and go, you know what? I'm not going to let a week go by without them being encouraged and reminded of the truth of the gospel. I'm going to stir them up by way of reminder. I'm just going to be a spoon. I'm going to go around just stirring folks, just stirring them with the truth and the love of God. Like, what if we did that with one another? Like, you know what? I'm not going to let a day go by without sending a text to Josh and go, you know what? He loves you, bro. You're like, why are you telling him? Because he, he does. You're like, man, Peter's always texting. Like, why is he? And then but something happens when you do that is like, then it becomes real. And it becomes like, oh, yeah. And, it, and the water level rises. And all of a sudden, discouragement and victim spirits and victim mindsets and offense becomes this like weird sidebar. And everyone, like, it becomes like blood and water. Like, you see it and you're like, what is that? Like, someone's acting like a victim. Like, oh, let's go love them. You know, let's go break them out of that mindset. Like, we don't live that way. Like, we're sons, we're daughters. Come on. Like, this is the vision. This is what God has for us. Amen. All right, y'all come up. I want to pray. Y'all have any thoughts, any questions? I know we're, we're running out of time. Nothing? Before we pray, before we enter into the glory. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just wait with the pads for a second. I want to just give a second.
processing the pain. See, like there's a place when we grow that we stop hurting so much for what they did to us and we our pain is because of their, their blindness that they keep doing the thing. We hurt for them instead of because of them, right? Like Jesus' pain on the cross wasn't like, I can't believe these guys are doing this to me. He, he knew they were blind. And people that do stupid stuff and sin against you repeatedly, they're blind and they're, they're insecure and they're, they're not strong in their identity in Christ. And so there's a, there's a perspective in God that will allow you to see that, have compassion, fellowship with him in suffering. There's a fellowship of his sufferings that in that place he can form himself in you and he will give you ways to love that, that is right and good and holy. And I'll just say that. Like, and there will be times where like, I gave you the testimony of breakthrough with my wife and there's times where I'm like, I don't have it in me. I can't say yes right now. And he's like, okay, I'll be here when you're ready. And I'll process the pain with you and I'll hold you in your pain and I'll just comfort you and tell you it's gonna be okay. And so there's times knowing this, that seasons where God will just hold you and he doesn't, you can't, you're like, I can't, I'm crippled. I'm, I'm in so much pain, I can't say or do anything. God, I need you to just hold me and love me. And he will do that. He's not just 24 but saying, well, why don't you just grow up in God and love people? That's not, don't hear me saying that. He's a patient father. I don't ask my five-year-old to do this. You know, sometimes if I'm realized I'm five-year-old, he hit me, I'm like, would you hit him back? they're like don't advocate that but I mean you know I'm like he can't respond rightly right like I know I know his limit I know his limit he knows your limit he knows your frame that we're dust but there's a place if we're willing to say God I want you to form your heart in me your love in me I want to grow I can't do it right now but I want to grow then then we just all go on that journey and there's grace and you never condemn and judge where you're at. Ever. He's proud of you. He's pleased with you. You've kept your heart pure and open. And he sees that. And that's so pleasing to him. Your pain and your, and your anger is not an indication of a lack of holiness. He feels it too. proud of you. You look like him. See, this, this is the sufferings and the trials that we were promised. Promised. Not may happen and could happen. Promised. People will betray you. People will reject you. People will dishonor you. People will repeatedly, people who should not do it, they will repeatedly sin against you. And this, the tested genuineness of your faith, this is the currency that you get to spend when he comes back. You're going to go, Dad, look, my heart's still for you. I'm still here. And he's going to go, daughter, well done. Well done. Come receive 10 cities. Yeah, that's the glory. That's the honor. And that's what we do it for, right? Because you, like, 
I understand we call a worship service when we start playing a guitar. What's your name? When Mary Beth keeps her heart pure in light of the cross and she allows, allows God to love through her, it is one of the most radical, loud expressions of worship and honor that there's not a melody to. It's done in secret and few people see, but it's interpreted by heaven as, as, as we talked about the, the oil being poured out. It's the preciousness of your purity getting broken and trampled and you saying, God, this is it. It's my heart and I'm laying it for you and I'm gonna keep my heart pure the best I know how. I'm gonna keep it before you and process that pain and not become jaded and bitter and pull away and hatred and let, the, let sin against me produce sin in me, right? And that, that's maturity. We're talking about it. That's what it looks like. And listen, you can't flex your way there. You can't like, your way there. You, you stare at Christ long enough. And in that seeing him and, and, and forgetting what you see of yourself, your nakedness, your inadequacy, there's this grace that's imparted. And you're like, oh man, it's an awesome question. Anything else? That was a beautiful question. I feel like there's another question. If not, it's okay. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, when the blood of the animal was shed, were they saved? Were they born again? Back in the Old Testament. No. When John the Baptist dunked them in water, were they born again? But were they forgiven? When Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven, the paralytic, was he born again? No. Was he forgiven? Yes. So, sin for the unbeliever deceives them into thinking that God is mad and he's going to punish me. Right? If they acknowledge, man, I'm living in sin, they, I've transgressed the commandment of God, there's, a, there's an awareness of I've, I've missed the mark. And when someone comes and says, hey, you're forgiven, or they say, hey, your shoulder, I'm going to pray for your shoulder, and your shoulder gets healed. Does that mean they're born again? No. But it's a release of the goodness of God. Why? As a testimony that Jesus is who he says he is. And you can, it, it allows them the opportunity to actually come to Christ and to see him and to be born again and to go, you know what? I want to give my life to him. I want to be crucified with Christ, buried and raised to newness of life. Does that make sense? And so I think we've got to understand in the church that nuance and the power, the authority that we have, I think we've been very lazy with. And I think we've, we've oftentimes withheld sins thinking that there's no consequences. And if you, if you needed a biblical kind of story, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, just as, again, this is just a, a, I'm okay not saying emphatically this is what happened, but Peter, could he have forgiven Ananias and Sapphira? I, I think he could have. He didn't. 
He could have. And what happens? He didn't forgive and they, they die. So there's power and authority that has been entrusted to men and women of God that have real consequences on real people. And so imagine the power that we have if we do not forgive, they're remaining under the weight of that, under the, under the pain of that, the penalty. The wages of sin is what? So we can actually allow people around us to remain in death by not operating in the authority that we have to forgive and to, and to represent what Christ did on the cross. Does that make sense? It's, it's I think, one of the ways we share the gospel that's unique in this hour that God's going to begin to cause us to explore. Anything else before we go? It's a really good question. I don't even really know the difference. If you sin against God, confess it. Don't just say there's a weird thought that people are like, well, God will forgive me. I don't need to confess it. No. Confess it to God, and if I sin against a brother, if I sin against Josh, I'm going to go tell him, hey, man, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Because forgiveness is a relational act that fuels intimacy. Just because you and I know that 100% of the time God's going to forgive me doesn't mean that I... It's like I usurp his right to forgive me when I don't bring it into the light with him, relationally. Does that make sense? It's relational. And so I think it's appropriate to confess sins to one another, specifically if I've sinned against one or another. Own that. Bring it into the light. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with the Son, and his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So there's a power in walking in the light with one another and not keeping things hidden in Does that make sense?